Amen. All right, young people, you are dismissed to junior church. Let's go quietly and quickly. All right, let's take our Bibles, please. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And we're going to look at this morning the demonstration of the Spirit. The demonstration of the Spirit. Our theme for this year is by His Spirit. We're not going to spend every service on that topic, but for today, we're going to look at the demonstration of of the Spirit. And uh, I was thinking about that song as they were singing, I will give you all the praise, my seasons change, but you stay the same. And I was thinking, you know, there's some folks in our church going through some rough seasons right now. And it's good to know that God has never changed and God's not taken by surprise. And so I want you to remember to continue to pray for those that are battling cancer and waiting on tests and phone calls from doctors. And so let's be in constant prayer for these families in our church that have been greatly afflicted. And we'll share more about that at the end of the service. But let's look this morning at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And um, I'm just going to warn you, we are watching several different weather apps. And one says, we'll get one centimeter of snow this afternoon. Another one says, we'll get 40 centimeters. And so they don't agree too well, but it's because of the wind. And if the wind shifts and comes across the lake, we'll get dumped on. If it doesn't, then we, it might just pass on by. How many of you vote we pass it on by? Amen. And so why don't we just pray that way? Uh, Buffalo can have all of it. Okay. And that's what happens when it misses us. It just goes right down the lake to Buffalo. But let's, let's uh, just watch your emails this afternoon. The weather, the wind is supposed to really pick up around noon and start causing trouble. That also causes hydro issues here a lot of times. If the power goes out, we, we can't have service. We're not legally even allowed to be in the building more than 20 minutes after the power stops because of our emergency systems. And so we'll just have to keep you up to date as best we can. And so keep watching your emails and we'll try to get that out uh, as best we can. Now, let me, let me ask you a favor. If we ever have to cancel or change something and you get an email, uh, call somebody that maybe doesn't get email. You know, some of our seniors that maybe don't get those things and let them know. This last week, um, the first day we got a little bit of snow, just some flurries. You remember the grass was still poking through the white? You remember that? And then it melted the next day. Uh, We were out, out and about working a little bit and Micah was wondering, why are people driving around? He just couldn't figure that out. I think, is that the first time you ever saw snow in person? No, you've seen it before, but he didn't know what to make of it. He didn't like it. And so praise the Lord. Uh, You know, he's starting to question his call of God as of last night about 8 p.m. But pray as as, uh, this young man, Micah, uh, he's going to uh, be preaching next Sunday night. We look forward to hearing from him. Pray for him as he's preparing his heart for that. And as God has called him to the country of Canada, this is a good test for him to see what it's really like up here. I am hearing a lot of our Churches that we might fellowship with have closed today. Most of them, of course, are north of us, and so they've closed today. So I just want to tell you, you are the most spiritual church in Ontario today. How's that? Amen? So praise the Lord. But do pray for some of them. Down in Fort Erie, I was talking to Brother King this morning, uh, the lake has risen by nine feet, and it's causing a lot of problems for people that live near the lake. And uh, so they've had to close church today uh, and trying to help out their church families. And so be in prayer for them. It can be a real danger and a real loss as well, and so let's remember them. First Corinthians chapter 2 this morning, um, let's read together in verse 1. I'm going to read the whole chapter. I, I normally wouldn't preach a whole chapter, but I'm going to preach a whole chapter this morning, but I'm just going to highlight some things, if we could, for the sake of time. The demonstra- demonstration of the Spirit. Read with me in verse 1. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. By the way, uh, that's preaching. 
declaring the testimony of God. When you tell people what God said, you're preaching. And we are to go into all the world and preach the gospel. We're just to tell people what God said. Some, some people struggle with that. Say, well, I, I can't get a message together. Tell them what God said. Get up and just read. If nothing else, read the scriptures and tell them what God said. So Paul says, I went around. And he says, I didn't have excellency of speech. And I, I didn't have a lot of wisdom when I was declaring the testimony of God. Verse 2, for I determined not to know uh, anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now I'm going to give you a little of the introduction right here. When, the, when Paul says, I knew nothing among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified, he wasn't really saying, I, I didn't know about the doctrine of the resurrection, or I didn't know about the doctrine of the second coming, and I didn't know about other doctrines of the church and things. But he was saying is, you weren't ready for those things. When I came to you, I came to you, and I only preached to you Jesus Christ. You needed the gospel. And by the way, that's the starting point for everybody. There are so many that made a textbook out of the Bible, and there are so many that have examined its, its stories and read its parables and have tried to even preach from its precepts and such and, and believe Jesus to be a good teacher or a good man that came from God. But friends, unless somebody is truly born again by the gospel of Jesus Christ, it'll only ever be a book to them. But to us, it is life. To us, it is bread. To us, it is the water of Christ. And so look at verse 2 and verse 3. It says, and I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. If you've ever had the, the privilege of sharing the gospel with somebody, you'll know what Paul means there. There is a great responsibility when somebody is unsaved and you're the one that has to give them the gospel. And so he says, I was in weakness and in fear and in much trembling and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. And listen, listen, look at this. This is our title this morning. But in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men but in the power of God. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of the world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory." But as it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, and we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. 
Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today, and we do ask that following this time of worship that you would be pleased. Please, Lord, to open up the word of life and to help impart its truths into our hearts today. And Lord, I need your help, and I pray, Lord, that the Holy Spirit of God would fill me and I surrender to you. But Lord, I know you have the power to take the written word and as it is spoken, commit it to our hearts and teach us and open up our eyes that we may see and often see things that the preacher never says because you are opening up the word of God and opening up our eyes. So may that be the case today. May the Spirit of God teach each of us and help us to understand more about him. And Lord, we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul speaks mainly of Christ. You'll notice early on in the chapter, he talks about the sanctification that we have in Christ Jesus. And later on, he says more about the unity of the church in Christ. And he talks about grace coming by Christ. And he speaks about the preaching of the cross of Christ. But now in chapter 2, the apostle Paul switches over to the spirit of Christ or the spirit of God. Paul came to them knowing nothing but Christ crucified. And he committed that to their hearts by the power of and the demonstration of the Spirit of God. We need to get right into our lesson this morning if we're going to make our way through this chapter. So I want you to notice three things quickly this morning. Number one, I want you to notice the power of the Spirit of God. The power of the Spirit of God. If I can direct your attention back uh, to verse one, the Bible says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And by the way, in our weakness, he is made strong. Boy, if there's anybody listening today that, that says my body is weak right now, know that Christ is strong. And as Paul came to these, these, these Corinthian church and these, these new believers, and he said, when I first came to you, I want you to know that I was weak before you. But in my weakness, he is strong. I came not with excellency of speech. I, I did not have a refined sermon or a, a manner about my delivery. I was in fear and I was in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. But look at verse 4. But in demonstration of the spirit and of power. The power of the Holy Spirit. I want you to notice some things today about that power. Sometimes I think we get the idea that the power of the Holy Spirit is, is that strength that we have within us to cause us to do incredible things. And by the way, God can help you do the impossible. He can do miraculous things through your life. But I want you to notice this morning that is not the primary purpose. The primary purpose of the Holy Spirit of God is to empower the message of Christ. That's the primary reason. To empower the message of Christ. Notice what Paul is saying. He says, I didn't know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I came with that message. I was in weakness and fear and in much trembling. And my speaking and my preaching was not with enticing words, but it was in demonstration of the spirit and of power. Listen, when we go forth with the gospel of Jesus Christ, we must be filled with the spirit of God. That is the primary purpose of God's spirit at work on earth today. Does anybody but Paul hear me this morning? 
Or are you with me this morning? Maybe some of our amen crowd is not here. And I don't need cheerleaders, but I just need to know that you're engaged this morning and listening because we need the gospel to go to our community. We need people to be saved. You've got friends and family that are lost and, and on their way to a Christless eternity. And it depends on you to be filled with the spirit of God. It's important. Now listen, as Paul said, the spirit of God would empower him with the message of Christ. You know, the disciples knew that as well. In Acts chapter one, the Bible says Jesus Christ was speaking to the disciples and he said, ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be what? Witnesses. That's what the spirit of God was for. To empower, now, now that is not exclusive, but I, I want you to know the primary purpose is the, the purpose of his filling is that we might empower the message of Christ. There's a purpose in the Holy Spirit filling, but there's also a personal benefit, isn't there? The Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Jesus Christ himself prayed in John chapter 17 that his joy might be fulfilled in us. The Holy Spirit gives us a great benefit. But let me say this, it's not for personal gain. There are some televangelists today that made merchandise of the people of God. There was a man in the Bible that's much like those televangelists. You're not, some might not like me saying this. His name was Simon the Sorcerer. And when the apostles laid hands on people and said, receive you the Holy Ghost and the gift of God passed from the apostles. And by the way, that was an apostolic gift. We don't have apostles today. And he laid upon the hands upon them and they received the Holy Ghost. Simon the sorcerer said, what would it take for me to purchase this gift? And Peter said to him, your money dies with you because you thought you could purchase the gift of God. If I remember, the Bible says about the Holy Ghost and his gifts, he gives severally as he will. In other words, it's his decision who he gives this gift to. It's not ours. We cannot purchase it, but it is because we were purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. He imparts his Holy Spirit into our lives, and he gives it for the primary purpose of empowering the message of Christ, and we get the side benefit of his joy, his peace, and his long-suffering. By the way, do you know that the fruits of the Spirit, I believe this with all my heart, the fruits of the Spirit also empower the message? Because nobody wants to be saved or led to the Lord by somebody who doesn't have joy. <laughs> Why would I want what you have? Well, you have no peace and you're telling me if I trust Jesus, I can have peace? You don't have any long suffering or patience. Why would I trust a Christ that has not given you any of that? So the fruits of the Spirit make us more like Christ and we draw others to him. That's the work of the Spirit of God. The power of the Spirit of God empowers the message of Christ. But I want you to also notice it emphasizes the manner of conversion. This is important. This is a doctrinal lesson right here. Look at verse 5. The power of the Holy Spirit emphasizes the manner of conversion. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. In other words, there's a lot of people that have got, become converts of man because the Spirit of God was not present at their salvation. I, I've seen it a thousand times. How many of you boys and girls want to go to heaven? Every boy and girl wants to go to heaven. So they all raise their hands and they say, well, let's pray this little prayer. 
and the Holy Spirit of God did not move in. I mean, even the songwriter knew better than that, didn't he? Born of the Spirit with life from above. John chapter 3, Jesus said, Except ye be born again of the water, or born of the water and of the Spirit. You must be born again of the Spirit of God. Romans chapter 8 explains that process to us as well. And it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit is life, and Jesus Christ hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the faith, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and in the sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after after the flesh, but after the spirit. For they that are the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity with God, against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. When I read that passage of Scripture, we could put a big chart on the wall, couldn't we? We could say, this is flesh and this is spirit. And everything in the flesh column leads to death. But everything in the Spirit of God column leads to life everlasting. Listen, go back, if you will, to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 5, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Listen, King Agrippa said to Paul, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. The problem is King Agrippa was thinking it through. Now, understand, I believe you need to be saved with understanding of the gospel. But when I read what King Agrippa said, I believe he was just weighing the pros and the cons. There was an argument taking place. It was a persuasiveness about Paul's message, but the Spirit of God never gripped his heart, and he was never born again by spiritual seed. Listen, to be truly born again, the Spirit of God has to move in. That's what this passage is teaching us. And Paul is saying to the church at Corinth, when, when the Spirit of God came, he says, he came in such way that your faith did no longer stood in the wisdom of men, but in the, likeness, in the power of God. I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say things like this. Well, I just believe everybody's going to heaven. How many of you have heard somebody say that? Somebody passes away, and there's a death, and they'll say, well, they're in a better place. There was no evidence in their life whatsoever they ever called out to Jesus to be their savior. That is a faith that stands in the wisdom of men. I sat by the bedside years ago of somebody in my family that was dying. And his son was there. And he said, Alan, he says, I, I just believe that everybody goes to heaven. Uh, the God that I believe in wouldn't send anybody to a place called hell. And I said, no, he sure doesn't want to. That's why he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to pay the price for our sins. And we accept him by faith. You see, he had a worldly understanding of heaven, a carnal understanding of who God was. 
His faith was by the wisdom of men. Paul says we don't need that. What we need is faith that stands in the power of God. The Holy Spirit of God is essential in your salvation. And so we see first the power of the Spirit. But I want you to notice in verse 6 the privileges of the Holy Spirit. The privileges of the Holy Spirit. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect. Do you know who that is? Ladies, look at your husband and say, you are perfect. Now men, do the same to your wives. You are perfect. Because that's what the scripture means right here. Those who are complete in Jesus Christ. Those who are saved. Isn't it wonderful? Hey, we are nothing without Christ. And we're a long way from perfect while we're on this earth. But the potential is there that we will be one day complete in Christ as we walk with him and we gain that eternal home. So he's addressing those who are saved here. And he says, Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom. By the way, none of you ladies turned to your husbands. I was watching. <laughs> yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. I want you to notice the privileges of the Holy Spirit. What are some of those privileges? Number one, the revelation of what he has purposed. God's just going to tell you his plan. The revelation of what he has purposed. And we notice uh, in, in verse 6 here, the Bible tells us uh, that howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of this world that come to naught, but we speak the wisdom of God. Isn't it wonderful that God has spoken to us? So many people will bow down to listen to what some king has to say. Isn't it amazing? I saw on the, on the news that King Charles... I keep wanting to call him Prince Charles. That's hard to change after all those years. King Charles addressed the nation on Christmas Day. I think a king should address his people from time to time. But the throngs of people that left their homes and paid homage to that earthly king. The apostle says, I'm not talking about that kind of wisdom. How many of you have ever seen the Pope come out on the, the balcony in St. Peter's Square and address the masses of people that turn out. Paul says, I'm not talking about some earthly religious leader. I'm not talking about some prince of this world. I'm talking about the very wisdom of God. And every little Christian in Bethel Baptist Church is privileged to have the opportunity to hear the wisdom of God. Not because of the wisdom of Al Fieri. Boy, you'd be starving to death but because the written word coupled with the very spirit of God opens up the world to us. And so he says, he gives us what he has, notice first of all, the revelation of the mystery. It was addressed to them that are perfect and he unlays this mystery and it wasn't until Christ rose from the dead that the earliest believers understood what the mystery of God was that had been ordained before the very foundations of the word world and that's what it says right here. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Listen, you are what you are today because God had a plan for your life in eternity past that he would send a savior to die for your sins. That you could be born again. 
And that's been revealed unto us by his wisdom. That's the Holy Spirit's working, the privilege of the Holy Spirit. So we see the revelation of the mystery, but look at verse eight. We see the reason for the mystery, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Can you imagine if you knew beyond the shadow of doubt that this was the Christ, the son of the living God, and still you ordered him to be crucified? No, I believe kings would have laid down their crowns. I believe that some by opposition to thwart the very plan of God would have tried to keep him alive. I think some, due to the realization of who he was, would have tried to avoid the crucifixion. But the reason for this mystery is that the very plan of God would take place that we could have the privilege of eternal life through Jesus Christ. I'm so glad that God tells us about it. But notice what he says as we think about the revelation this morning, the revelation of what he has purposed, but notice this, the revelation of what he has prepared. Isn't it wonderful to know that Christ has revealed this mystery of salvation to us, that we can be born again through Jesus Christ, the substitute and sacrifice for our sins, but he goes beyond that, doesn't he? He's prepared a place for us. And we like this verse, verse nine, don't we? I have not seen neither hath ear heard. And read with me. Neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Here's the problem. We stop there. We like to describe heaven as a place where you can't even imagine what it's like. I have not seen, neither hath ear heard. But verse 10 says, but he has revealed them to us by his spirit. I don't know every detail of what heaven looks like. But I'm going to tell you, I've got a pretty good idea what I've got to look forward to. There's streets of gold and walls of jasper and gates of pearl, and none of that matters compared to the very throne of God where the Lamb sits, where we will bow down and sing for ten thousands of ten thousands of years. The revelation of what he has prepared... I want you to notice, first of all, the Spirit gives help in discernment. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God, the mysteries of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man save the Spirit of a man which is in him? The question that he asks by way of illustration is saying, who really knows who you are but the Spirit that is within you? Only you really know what's in your heart and only you really know. Others see the outside and they see our reputation and they mark our integrity, but only you know what you are really like. And he says the same goes for the things of God. Only the spirit of God knows those things. But here's the good news. He dwelleth within you. And by that work of the Holy Spirit. He gives us discernment. He helps us understand the things of God, the deep things of God. And as we study the word of God, he brings it to our minds and our hearts and he enlightens us. So the spirit helps in discernment, but the spirit gives hope in darkness. Look at verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. The Spirit gives hope in darkness. I, I love that verse. Look at it again. 
We have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God. Listen to this. Now hold on to this right here. That we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. In your darkest hour, how often does the scripture come to mind? I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. You ever, you ever looked at your bank account and wondered how you're going to pay your bills and are reminded that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills? And God's got more than the ability to supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. And on and on we could go about the promises of God and the Spirit gives us hope in darkness. The ministry that he has in our lives is to encourage us and exhort us and to help us as he reveals to us the mysteries of Christ and reminds us that we have hope in our darkest days. So we see the privileges of the Holy Spirit, but I want you to notice the perfecting. Look at those last few verses. The perfecting of the Holy Spirit in verse 13. Which things also we speak... Not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which his Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Mark those words, which things we also speak. Paul is saying the things that we preach about are the things that the Holy Spirit has revealed to us. We preach about heaven because he's revealed to us a place that most people can't comprehend. But the Spirit of God has shown us it's a wonderful place prepared for his people. He says, we preach about the mysteries of Christ and though they mean a mystery to those who are lost in their sins, he has opened our eyes to see the wonderful and beautiful cross of Christ where the Lamb of glory died and shed his blood for the sins of the world. He's allowed us to embrace that and so those things we speak. But I want you to notice as he perfects us and brings us to that maturity and helps us to proclaim Christ, first of all, he perfects our understanding. The Bible talks about how the Holy Ghost teacheth in verse 13. And in verse 14, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Number one, he perfects our understanding. There's a great wisdom that comes from the Word of God as the Holy Spirit of God teaches us all things and brings to memory all things whereof Jesus spoke of. Now the natural man doesn't receive it in verse 14 because they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. That means they have no spiritual discernment or understanding. Can I encourage you this morning, be very careful. When you walk into a place of worship and I'm, I'm going to be honest, sometimes Christians do this as well. We'll go to a place and maybe we'll have a guest preacher. So I've never heard this guy before. I, I don't know what to think. Hey, let the Holy Spirit of God do the discerning. If he opens the Bible and he speaks from the word of God and it lines up with what the Bible says, be a Berean in a heart and attitude and study to make sure those things are so. And make sure that it is passing the litmus test of God's word. And if the spirit of God commits it to our hearts, listen, we need to accept it as Bible truth. There's so many today that cut parts out of the Bible, like my friend that said, I don't believe my God would send anybody to hell. He's not willing that any should perish, that's for sure. 
But because of our sin, the penalty and the wages of sin is death. The Holy Spirit is here to perfect our understanding. Can I also give you another caution along that line? Be careful of those who offer advice on spiritual things apart from God's word. Years ago when I first started pastoring, I had a revival meeting and I had Tim, Tim Lalonde come and he, or Tim Luchon, sorry, different preacher. Tim Luchon came and preached for me. And uh, I wanted to pick his brain a little bit. So we'd get in the car and we'd go for a drive. And we went down to Niagara Falls one day. And just as we were driving, I just asked question after question after question. And what I appreciated about Brother LaShawn was that every single time he'd pull a Bible out of his coat and say, well, let me show you what the Bible says. Every single time. He never, he never said, well, you know, this is what I think would work. Here's what I do in my church. Every single time he opened the Bible and says, here's what the Bible says we should be doing. Be careful when people give you spiritual advice apart from the word of God. Make sure it's biblical. And so he perfects our understanding, but he also, look at verse 15, perfects our uprightness. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. We look at that on its surface and we say, well, it's okay for him to judge, but we can't judge him. Understand there's a difference in those two words. The word judgeth is one who seeks truth. The one who is being judged means to be investigated. So there's a little bit of a difference there, isn't it? It could read this way. But he that is seeking truth in all things, he himself will not be investigated. Now think about that. He said, why wouldn't you investigate him? Because he's walking in truth. He is following the word of God. He is judging all things. In other words, if there's something that is questionable that comes up in his life, he's, well, I'm just going to stay away from that. I'm going to judge that to be wrong or a gray area or something maybe I should not cause suspicion in. And so because of his integrity with the word of God, nobody questions him. That doesn't mean he's perfect or without sin. But he has a reputation of striving to do what is right according to the word of God. He which is spiritual, he that is spiritual, the Holy Spirit is working in him, judgeth all things. You know, the Holy Spirit is that supernatural force that is work in this world today and it's to accomplish a purpose. And I want, I want to point your minds back to this thought. That purpose is that the gospel may reach every creature. And everything else we've talked about in this chapter goes back to that same purpose. Why should we have love, joy, peace, long-suffering that we might be examples of Christ? Of what he does to a life that accepts him and follows him. Why should we judge all things that we may not call question or bring reproach upon Christ? That we might walk according to the spirit of God. That we might be filled with him. He perfects our uprightness. He helps us understand the word. Why? So we can point people to Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit is here for today. You remember the Great Commission? 
Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And what are those next few words? And lo, I am with you always. The Spirit of God is always there when we are doing the work of God and we are filled with the Spirit of God. The Bible says, walk in the Spirit as you fulfill not the lust of the flesh. Because those things we found in Romans chapter 8, the carnal mind is enmity with God. When we fulfill the lust of the flesh, we become the enemies of God. But when we walk in the Spirit of God, we can point people to Christ. Let's bow today. Father, help us. Speak to our hearts today, we pray. Lord, we do pray that you'd bless this word today, the words of God, that you would speak to our hearts with them. Help us to learn that we must faithfully trust the Spirit of God to teach us, to grow us, to help us in our witnessing efforts. Oh God, it is the very purpose of God that souls will not die and go to hell. And so Lord, help us to make it our purpose as well. But we have to start with clean lives, holy, holy, holy before you. Oh God, help us to be holy as Christ is holy. Fill us, we pray. And Lord, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Let's stand this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Nobody's looking around, but if God has spoke to your heart, would you like to use this altar, step out and come? I hope, it's my hope and prayer that we will learn more this year about the Spirit of God and how we must walk in the Spirit, how we must be filled with the Spirit and live by the Spirit of God. Well, friends, it always starts with the first step, being born again of the Spirit of God. Are you sure you're saved? Well, there's so many that just pray a prayer, but they're just words if the Spirit of God hasn't changed you. There's so many that have just had some ecstatic feeling come over them, but, oh, has the Spirit of God come in and into your life and changed you and made you a new creature in Christ? That's what it means to be born again. There's many that call themselves Christians, but are they truly born again? I remember one time we were out doing some flyers in Stony Creek, and one of the men that was with us was across the street, and there was a guy out cutting the grass. And he says, he stopped and talked to him for a minute, and he says, are you a Christian? And the man said, yes. And he said, let me ask you another question. Are you a born-again Christian? And the man said, I didn't know there was any other kind. He was dead on. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Do you know Christ today? Are you born again by his spirit? Could we help you today? Just slip up your hand. Nobody's looking around. We're not going to embarrass you. Can we pray for you today?